Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. You know, the, in the Jewish mind, this man's unclean. He lives in unclean land. He's, he's diseased because he sinned or his parents sinned or he did something wrong in the womb. He's an unclean man. And Jesus, a Jewish rabbi, is told to touch him. And what he's about to do is so incredible, it's beyond a touch. There's saliva involved. The exchange of bodily fluids. Oh, goodness. That trouble anybody? I'd be looking for Purell, you know, right after this interaction. <laughs> Toothbrush on the tongue, I don't know. Any germaphobes out there? <laughs> yeah. 33. Jesus took him aside from the multitude by himself or privately. Why did he do that? Why did Jesus take him? Why didn't he just, why didn't he just, he could have just spoke the word right there, be healed. He didn't do that. Why did he do all of this? Why did he take him aside privately? Some writers have said on this because Jesus was not just about healing, he was also about relationships. And if you're a note taker, here's the second prescription for healing. And there may be some in-betweens here that you might wanna write down. It's gonna happen in relationships. It's gonna happen in soul to soul, heart to heart chest-to-chest time. So Jesus took him aside. I don't know everything that took place there. I don't know what words were exchanged. I don't know how uncomfortable it felt. I don't know how far they moved away. But he took him away privately and he put his fingers into his ears. Now, if you're the deaf man, you kind of have an idea of what's going on, but you probably don't know all the details and you're taken off to the side. You're face-to-face with this Jewish rabbi, teacher, who all of a sudden puts his fingers in your ears. Now, I'm a guy that's fairly big on personal space. <laughs> Can I get a witness? <laughs> I love y'all, but I don't need to talk to you from two inches apart. <laughs> all right, but I know some people are that way, right? There's some people, they got when they talk to you, it's right here, man. <laughs> Man, I hope I had a certs, you know, earlier. Wow. (laughs) Can you imagine somebody coming up and sticking their fingers in your ears? What are you doing? (laughs) Well, you want to be healed? Yeah. All right, then sit there. (laughs) Would you let Jesus do that to you? Will you let him do it to you? Will you let him unstop your ears? Do you think that maybe the message for the readers of the Gospel of Mark is something like this? He wants to unstop your deaf ears. You want a healing? Something beneath the surface is going on here. There's another place where Jesus used his saliva and it's in John 9. We won't go there for the sake of time, but you all know the story. There's a man that's born blind and the apostles are asking questions based upon the theology of the day and they say, Lord, who sinned, him or his parents, that he was born this way? And Jesus said, neither him or his parents sinned, that this happened that the glory of God might be manifest in him. 
And when Jesus healed him, he spit in the clay or the dirt and he began to rub the spittle together with the dirt and he put it on the man's eyes and he told him to go, to, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And he came back seeing, you remember that? And there are many scholars that take this back to Genesis 2, when God breathed into Adam, the, into his nostrils, the breath of life. And some, some have, who are smarter than me have said that maybe because the man was born blind, Jesus was literally giving him new eyes out of the clay, just like God made Adam out of the dust of the earth. Jesus was creating new eyes on the spot. How about that? And when the man came back after washing, he came back seeing. He'd never seen anything before. No color, no trees, no people's faces, nothing. You want to talk about a miracle? And over and over in the Bible, we get these warnings about Israel and about, I'm sure, people in general. Isaiah 43, 8. God says, bring out the people who are blind, even though they have eyes, and the deaf even though they have ears, Isaiah 43, 8. Jeremiah 5, verses 20 through 23, if you would write it down, says this, declare this in the house of Jacob and proclaim it in Judah, saying, hear this, O foolish and senseless people, who have eyes but see not, who have ears but hear not, that's Jeremiah 5, 21. Do you not fear me, declares the Lord? Do you not tremble in my presence? For I have placed the sand as a boundary for the sea an eternal decree so it cannot cross over it. Though the waves toss, yet they cannot prevail. Though they roar, yet they cannot cross over it. But this people has a stubborn and rebellious heart. They have turned aside, God says, and departed. Wow. They have ears to hear, but they don't hear. They have eyes to see, but they don't see. And so I think for me this week, and I'll just speak for myself, one of the things that God's been impressing upon my heart amidst all the turmoil and all the misunderstanding and all the tension and all the perspectives is, why don't you just listen more? Why don't you just see if you can tune in to heaven's voice and the voice of others? And so he put his fingers into his ears after and after spitting, he touched his tongue with the saliva. <laughs> oh my goodness. He fingers in the ears, then he spits. I'm assuming that the spit was involved with the touch of the tongue. And there's something going on here where Jesus is saying, it's gonna be from my life, who I am, my DNA, that life's going to come into you. Jesus could have just spoke the word. He didn't have to do all of this, but he did. And some writers believe he did it because of where he was and who he was dealing with. I'll leave that to your own study. But there's, this is an intimate exchange. This is not just, okay, I'll say the word. The Lord touches him. He put his fingers in his ears and he touched his tongue. The importance of relationship, the, the importance of touching those who are deemed untouchable. Christopher Hitchens, who passed away of a brain tumor, some, or actually had esophageal cancer is how it started, um, befriended a Christian pastor. If you don't know who Christopher Hitchens was, because he's now gone, he was one of the most outspoken atheists that was on the planet 
in the last several decades, debated all kinds of theists, made fun of God, made fun of religion, made fun of Christianity, but a pastor befriended him and he said there were two sides to Christopher, his public persona, where he almost put on an act, and his private persona where this pastor said, it seemed like Christopher at least was open to belief in God. He studied the Gospel of John with this pastor on a road trip while he was dying of cancer. And Christopher Hitchens said of this Christian pastor, the world would be a better place if there were more men in it like you. Now, the pastor wrote a book, The Faith of Christopher Hitchens. You can get a copy of the book. And the book's conclusion is we don't know what happened. We don't know if Christopher had a deathbed experience. There are people who say he didn't. But nonetheless, it was the witness of this Christian pastor. And one of the things that the book reveals is that the pastor was willing to listen to Christopher and learn his story. And he wrote a lot about his life and learned a lot about what had happened to him. And he had grown up in a a boarding school that was supposed to be Christian, but there was a lot of bad things that happened there and it kind of soiled the man uh, to the faith. What are we to do? Isn't it interesting that It starts with the ears and then goes to the tongue. I think the order is important. I'm looking beneath the surface. It starts with the ears, then goes to the mouth. Everybody with me? It's gotta start with your ears, then it'll go to the mouth. Would you all turn to the book of James? That's towards the back of the New Testament, James chapter one. I think we have a prescription of healing for healing that James writes down. James, the half-brother of Jesus, the leader of the Jerusalem church, the one who didn't believe in Jesus until after the resurrection. He writes these words, James one, look at verse 17. James 1, 17 says, every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from above. <clears throat> James 1, 17 coming down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation or shifting or shadow. In the exercise of his will, James 1.18, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we might be, as it were, the first fruits among his creatures. This you know, my beloved brethren, James 1.19, let everyone be, what? Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. May I suggest... Right, there's a prescription for healing, not only for the tension in our country, but maybe for the tension in some of your personal relationships. Do you know that when relationships break down, most people who do counseling will tell you that the breakdown has come in the ears. They won't listen to each other anymore. They've already concluded that when that person starts speaking to them they already know where it's going so they won't listen anymore they won't listen to each other anymore so sometimes that counselor's sole job is to mediate the the listening did you hear what she said did you hear what he said (laughs) James says look look at verse 19 it says but let how many people everyone Be quick to hear. That word everyone in Greek is a really interesting word. It means everyone. (laughs) I'm looking for loopholes. Looking for loopholes. That's what W.C. Fields said when he was reading the Bible. Looking for loopholes. You looking for loopholes? Are you the exception to the rule? (laughs) We're involved in Biola Youth Theater. And... uh, my son, my uh, youngest son James has been in a lot of the productions and so the, 
the lady that leads the the uh, ministry will stand up and she tells people at the beginning she says okay this is your phone everybody take your phone out turn your phone off you can check email and do stuff later you cannot film this you cannot take pictures you cannot use a flash and for all of you who think you're special and the rules do not apply to you they also apply to you as well <laughs> there we go all right turn your phone off Sometimes we think we're the exception to the rule, right? Do you want to be able to defend your faith, what you believe in, why you believe it? We've tackled subjects like Jehovah's Witnesses, the origins of Christmas. In honor of the 500th year of the Reformation, we did a two-part message on sola scriptura. Is the Bible alone sufficient? Is it our highest authority? Scientology, intriguing topics that are available on the Walk in Truth store at walkintruth.com. There'll be more to come, more exciting things to come. Every one of us should be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man, verse 20, James 1, does not achieve the righteousness of God, therefore putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness. In humility, receive the word implanted. Listen, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves, James says in James 1.21, doers of the word and not merely hearers who, what? Delude themselves. Proverbs 12.18 says, there is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. It says prophetically of the Messiah, he awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. The Lord God has opened my ear, Isaiah 50 verse five, and I was not disobedient nor did I turn my back. Jesus knows how to share a word to, to sustain the weary one. He's given me the tongue of the disciples, Isaiah 50, verse four. See, this is what we want. This is what we wanna pray for. Everybody turn, if you would, to James three. It starts with the ears, and then James follows the same order from the ears to the tongue. Look at James three, verse five. He says, so also the tongue, James 3, 5, is a small part of the body, yet it boasts of great things, James 3, 5. Behold how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. The tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body, sets on fire the course of our life, and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, James 3, 8. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. And James says, my brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Wow. As we take scripture with scripture, I think you can see where this is going. You see, he made his tongue alive with his own life. Turn back to Mark and we'll finish it. Jesus touched his tongue with his own DNA, with his own spittle. He'll do this once again in Mark's gospel in a little later account to a blind man. In both cases, the healings are unique to Mark's gospel. What is the message? Why only in Mark? Well, if Mark is indeed the thoughts of Peter, maybe this is 
part of what God was doing in Peter's life. Because you know Peter was not always the best listener. And you know Peter was, we call him impetuous, right? He was, he was quick with the, the tongue. Lord, though all betray you, I will never. Oh yeah, Peter. <laughs> this very night, you will deny that you even know me three times. And so our prayer needs to be, Lord, you know, uh, I've shared with you morning prayers that I pray. Put on, Lord, I want to put on the armor of God. Lord, I, I want to be filled with your spirit. Lord, take these feet where you want them to go. I'm going to add a couple things. Lord, open up my ears. And Lord, would you touch this tongue of mine so I will hear and speak what you want me to say, what, we, we, what you want me to hear what you want me to say. Look at verse 34, Mark 7. And looking up to heaven, so Jesus did these things with this man now. Jesus looked up to heaven with a deep sigh. Here's another application point. If you're taking notes, if we're gonna have a prescription for healing, we've gotta have our eyes on heaven. I heard a pastor say recently, whenever life gets you down, look up. Whenever life gets you down, look up. Look where Jesus is, at the right hand of the Father, ever living to intercede for us. Look up. Jesus looked up to heaven with a deep sigh. The Greek word for deep sigh is stenazo, and it means to groan. To groan with a sigh of stress and deep concern. Similar uh, language to when Jesus was at the tomb of Lazarus and he saw everybody crying and he was deeply moved in his spirit. And John eleven thirty five, 35, even though Jesus knew that he was about to bring Lazarus out of the tomb, Mar uh, John eleven thirty five 35 says two words, Jesus wept. What? Yeah. Jesus was not afraid to enter into people's pain. Heaven has compassion. In fact, heaven feels the pain of earth more than we do. Do you believe that? You know, God said of Israel, you've wounded me with your waywardness. The Bible says we can grieve the Holy Spirit. Oh yes, heaven feels our pain. And so Jesus had a deep sigh. Paul uses this word of the Christian groaning in Romans 8, 22 through 27, and 2 Corinthians 5, 2 and 4. It, it speaks of creation groaning and the Christian groaning, longing to be clothed with our heavenly habitation, longing for this current order of things to come to an end, and sometimes all I can do is sigh. Are you there? Do you look around today and go, Lord, I, I don't even have words anymore. And sometimes a groan is appropriate. Sometimes a sigh communicates more than words do because we don't always have the answer to what ails this planet. And so, Lord, give me your compassion today would be a good prayer. Open my ears, give me your words, give me your heart. Look at verse 35. And his ears were opened so it would appear that this healing did not occur until Jesus went through all these things. The, the, the fingers and the ears, the, the spittle, the touching of the tongue, the look up to heaven, and his ears were open and the impediment of his tongue was removed and he began speaking plainly and once again, I want video. 
I believe there's gonna be a video room in heaven, at least I'm clinging to it. I'm sure they'll have something much better than video. Instantaneous something, <laughs> right? What do you think the first thing he said was? What would you say? If your tongue was finally loosed and you spoke with difficulty and now you could say words that maybe you couldn't say before, would you say supercalifragilisticexpialidocious? <laughs> I, I doubt it. <laughs> but maybe a hallelujah, maybe a praise the Lord, maybe it's interesting. Jesus, when he looked up to heaven, Afatha said, be open. It's an Aramaic word, open his ears. And he gave them orders, 36, not to tell anyone. I don't know why Jesus always does this. I'm still trying to figure it out. But, you know, this guy was gonna go tell everybody what happened to him, right? But maybe Jesus was saying it would impede his ministry opportunities if it was announced. Uh, I know he was on a certain timeline and he didn't wanna ever get ahead of that timeline, so that may be it. But he gave them orders not to tell anyone, but the more he ordered them, the more widely they continued to proclaim it. And verse 37 says, they were utterly astonished, saying he has done all things well. He makes even the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. The New Living Translation has it this way. They were completely amazed and said again and again, Everything he does is wonderful. He makes the deaf to hear and gives speech to those who cannot speak. I want you to turn, if you would, to Isaiah 35. This is where we will close today. This is what's being alluded to, Isaiah 35, in this passage and a few other places about the ministry of the Messiah. Everything he does is wonderful. Would you look with me at Isaiah 35? And if the worship team can hear my voice, you can come on up. This is prophetic of the ministry of the Messiah and also what's ahead of us in the millennial reign of Christ. Isaiah 35 verse one says, the wilderness and the desert will be glad and the Arabah will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It will blossom profusely and rejoice with rejoicing and shout of joy. And the glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. And they will see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Keep in mind that Isaiah 35 is saying that what happens here is the majesty of God himself on display. Here's what it says. Apply it now to us. Encourage the exhausted and strengthen the feeble. Say to those with anxious heart, take courage, fear not. Some of you need to mark that. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come, but he will save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer and the tongue of the dumb will shout for joy. For waters will break forth in the wilderness and streams in the Arabah. And the scorched land will become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water and the haunt of jackals its resting place. Grass becomes reeds and rushes. And a highway will be there, a roadway, and it will be called the highway of holiness. The unclean will not travel on it, but it will be for him who walks that way and fools will not wander on it. No lion will be there, nor will any vicious beast go upon it. 
These will not be found there, but the redeemed will walk there, and the ransom of the Lord will return and come with joyful shouting to Zion, with everlasting joy upon their heads, and they will find gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. His name is wonderful. His name is Counselor. His name, the mighty God, Jesus, my Lord. A child and son is he, eternal father he, the prince of peace to me, Jesus, my Lord. Praise the creator, Jesus, our savior, life-giving spirit now. In spirit, worship him, love and adore him. His name is wonderful, Jesus, my Lord. Hey, this is Pastor Michael. I want to tell you about a new book that has just come out that I've written. It's called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God, A Revealing Look at God's Armor. What this book is really about, it's written in a devotional style, and it's written to help you, the believer, to put on the full armor of God. One of the things that the armor of God speaks of is protection. And God has provided you armor to protect you against the typical ways that the enemy attacks. You have a belt of truth because the enemy is a liar. Each piece of armor is custom made to help you in the typical ways that the enemy attacks. Each piece of armor reflects God himself. He's the God of truth. He's righteous. He's the God of peace. All the pieces of the armor point to him and they point to his provision to you, the believer, because he loves you. The reason God wants to protect you is because he's your father. He knows about the spiritual battle. He knows about the enemy and he knows how you can be best protected and stand strong against temptation. Suit up, putting on the full armor of God. It's now available on Amazon. I wanna get this book in your hands because I believe it's gonna help you as a Christian to walk in strength, to know how to put on the armor daily, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh, and to experience more victory in your Christian life. Right now, you can get it on Amazon it's Suit Up by Pastor Michael Lance. I would urge you to get the book today. If you want to give a donation directly, send us an email and we'll get the book into your hands as our gift to you for a donation to the radio ministry. Maybe you've been hearing these messages about becoming a new creation in Christ, but you're not sure that you know him. Well, the Bible encourages us that now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. And so don't put it off because the Bible tells us we don't even know what a day will bring. So trust in him now. The Bible says that we need to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead and we will be saved. You know, we see this reality in the scriptures of repentance and faith, turning away from our sin, which is repentance. It literally means to do a 180 and turn away from sin and turn to God to do it his way instead of our way. And faith is a word in Greek, which means to put our trust in, to entrust ourselves to Christ. Now, when we do that, we're trusting in his person, his finished work on the cross and his resurrection and and trusting in him and him alone for our salvation. And that's how you become a Christian. You turn from sin and you turn to God through Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message in its entirety, 
or if you'd like to visit our church here in Corona, California, visit our website, walkintruth.com.